Thank you. I do love your pastor. Do you love your pastor? That's a good thing. You've got a champion pastor. This is a champion church. I travel all over Canada. I'm, I was uh, made to do this. Uh, let me tell you how. Mom, Billy Brim Ministries has to have a Canada office, and they do. And so for years it was my brother-in-law, but my brother-in-law moved to heaven. So mom made me uh, the Canadian. So I'm a Canadian. A. Canadian chip. So uh, I've been coming for 20 years and uh, all over, Toronto, all over, every province. So um, I, I was telling Pastor a little bit about this church is, is on fire. This church, if I had to, to, to pick a church, and I go to some really, really big churches in Toronto and other places, but there's something about this church. And I believe it's the culture that it has that it will never let go. You can change things. You can change sound. You can change colors and logos. That's fine. But keep the culture the same. Don't change that. And we were talking today and that culture, after I preached this morning, how many were here on that? Our culture is rock faith. Faith only. It's the spirit. He was teaching me. That's the spirit of faith, and that's our culture. And so, um, never depart from that. And that's that passionate culture, man. That's that gritty faith that David had, that Caleb had. No matter what. I know, but I'm still, that ain't it. Get back in the Word. Get closer to God. Get in that law. Meditate day and night. He'll help you. He'll show you. I mean, He will. He'll give you the verses. He'll open the doors. So, but we got to be a doer of the Word. You just can't hear it. you got to be a doer. So, i got to set this up because I'm really excited. Because I see what God is doing with these meetings here. And He's taking it step by step on purpose. He's a purposeful God. And I'm going to share a part tonight. Well, let me just tell you how this came about. When you're in sports, when, when I, I coached on every level, professional, college, and high school, in, in baseball. And uh, when you get to the real high levels, you you, you got to get down to the nitty-gritty with some, some of the players. And what's this all about, man? What's your focus on? You know, is it this or this? or What's, the, what's it all about? So... When I got into this, I'm, you know, I'm doing as a, you know, minister should and now pastor should. But I just had a down to earth with God and said, I want to know. I'm sitting in my office. I go, God, I want to know what is it all about? Are you with me? Do you know that if you pray and he'll, I mean, if you ask, he'll, he'll tell you the answer. And so he began to show me in, in a process, or what you call process. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just my, my slang thing. Anyway, um, so I was getting ready for an authority conference that my mom and I were doing 
the Lord had told her to go around giving these authority conferences in these areas that were being attacked. A lot of suicides and a lot of different things, spiritual. We had to go in with authority. And we did. We went all over the United States. And I was getting ready for another one. And I just sat back in my chair and I said, God, what is it all about? And he said this, dial it in. All right. Now, I may have shared that here before, but I'm, I'm going to show you where he took me further. He said, dial it in. And I, he, he knew how I would receive it, right? That's how God, he, I mean, come on. God knows each one of us individually. And I would, I would see it like a scope on a gun. You dial it in. Or it could be like binoculars and you focus it in. You dial it in. Well, I was dialed in on authority. But there was something yet further out. So if I'm over here, I'm dialed in on authority. But there was something further out that he wanted me to dial in on that is connected to it. The purpose of it. That it, it means a lot. So I said, okay, there's something. All right. So I prayed in the spirit and I went at it and, and it wasn't just five minutes. I don't know how long it was, but I saw it and it came to me and it was the blood of Jesus. So the, so I saw how the blood was connected to the authority. If there was no blood shed, there would have been no, no authority, which we have to have authority. God's never going to leave us down here without authority. So I got real excited about it. I dialed it in for the first time, and thank you, God, for the blood that gave us the authority. Oh, so I went in on that blood, and I'm studying. A couple days go by, a week goes by. Boom, putting it in with it, preaching it, and then I hear, dial it in. I hear it again in my spirit. Something further, still connected to what it's all about. And we're going to get to what it's all about. And that's going to come tomorrow. But I'm done. Tonight's a step, though, a big step. So after the blood, it was covenant. There cannot be blood without a covenant. And so when I got into that, he wanted me to dial it in on the covenant, and I could see it. We're not covenant-minded. We are not covenant-minded like we should be covenant-minded means you are not alone say i am not alone now just think if you really believe that think about it and the lord said to me i want you to see two men i was studying and he goes now let's just talk about these two guys so i'm having this with god first one was abram so here's abram is abram in covenant with God. Not, not, he's not Abraham. He's Abram. Abram doesn't have a covenant with God. God's going to say get a heifer and make a covenant with him. But Abram is, Lord, how can I? I'm old. I'm, he's not covenant minded. But, but Abram knew covenant. And when he may, and God says, okay, we can straighten this up. Go get a heifer. What? Could you imagine? Now he had had covenants with other tribes and stuff. And he knew the power of it. Whatever's mine's yours and yours is mine. You go to war, I go to war. Man, I got your back, you got my back. We're never alone. You won it. It was strong. Covenants were strong. So God makes a blood covenant with him. And he becomes Abraham. 
What, do, what does the New Testament say? What does the Bible say about Abraham? Fully convinced. Totally proven. Look at the difference. Take Abraham, take your son. and Absolutely. What? Absolutely. Are you kidding? I'm, not, I'm in covenant with him. The boy and I will be back. I'm in covenant with him. So that's covenant mind. David, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What did he just say? He doesn't have a covenant. And he said it loud enough to where his brothers could hear it. Saul could hear it. And all of Israel who had forgotten their covenant. They could have had the prize. They could have had the king's daughter. They could have had the taxes really. They could have had all that. But they had forgotten it. Did they? Did Israel know a covenant? Yeah, they had forgotten it. And I believe the church. But David was covenant-minded. I mean, he couldn't get to Goliath fast enough. Man, there's something different about that. Abraham and these champions of faith. And so, man, I'm preaching covenant-minded all around the world. Lord, this is it. Church has got to be more covenant minded, which we do. And then I hear, dial it in. This is a really good sound. Dial it in. I like it. I have to watch my screaming now, but. Um, do what? No, just keep screaming? Okay. So, <laughs> dial it in from covenant? From covenant? And then. This is it. So I'm going to hit this. And then afterwards the Lord says, dial it in again. So he said it through mom actually, but uh, <laughs> mom goes, there's one more step, Chip. And I go, uh, well, what is it? She goes, I believe the Lord will reveal it to you. Well, maybe he's busy. Just go ahead. No, the Lord will reveal it to you. And she'd call me, has he revealed it to you yet? Well, kind of. I mean, I'd trick her, try to get her to, you know, leak it out. You know. No, nope, the Lord will reveal it to you. Just keep seeking him. And he did. This is exciting. This is powerful that we have to get our, our focus. We don't need to be spray and pray. We need to be one shot, one kill. That changed our whole army. Our whole military went from... That's how they used to teach it. Spray and pray. You hit something. Just pray and hope you hit something. Oh God, I'll pray this, pray that. No, no, no. Dial it in. Dial it in. Amen? Okay. So, here's how the Lord told me to preach it. What makes a champion? We're going to get to this. What makes someone, better yet, what makes someone defy all odds... And do the impossible. What makes someone do something that everybody else said can't be done? What is that? What is that tangible? What is, when, when, when adversity comes in the size of a mountain and everybody says you can't, but you do. What, what, and you pull off history. You make history and you're doing the impossible. So I'm going to take it from the sport world first and then we'll get into this. I looked up Google. Looked up. The five top greatest upsets of all time in sports. Okay? And now, I, it was probably American, so I don't have any Canadian things on here. Well, 
hockey, when it, you know, it'd be an upset to beat Canada. But um, this, the first one comes from Appalachian State. It's a small college, Division Two. Everybody say Division Two. There's Division One. That's the bigger schools. Then there's Division Two. Appalachian State goes in to play Michigan. This is in the top five. And college, college is so different in America than here. We'll have 105,000. We'll have the college stadiums are bigger than the pro stadiums. Way bigger. And uh, so they're going into Michigan where 105,000, and Michigan was rated in the top five to win the Division One. Now, Division Twos have beaten Division Ones, but never a top five. So Appalachian State comes in there, 105,000 screaming fans, hostile fans. And Appalachian State believed, made history, nobody said they could do it, and they defeated Michigan, and that was the first time, and it's never been done since. So there's one. What makes that? Never been done since. It's never been done in the history of the sport. Then there's Rulon Gardner, a wrestler, a country boy from Wyoming. And he wasn't he, and he goes to um, what was it? Greco Roman wrestling. He goes to the Olympics, not even not even predicted to place but yet defeats Alexander Carolin, whatever his name, from Russia. Now listen to Alexander's record. Three-time Olympic champion, had never lost an international competition, and was on a 13-year winning streak. And this kid comes in, who nobody said he shouldn't even have been there, and he beats him. Why? Buster Douglas, any boxing fans in here? No. It's a sport. Started like this. No. Buster Douglas was a 42 to 1 underdog. That was the biggest ever in a heavyweight title fight. And he was fighting against the undefeated iron bite your ear off Mike Tyson. Does anybody remember Mike Tyson? Oh my goodness. When they interviewed him, trust me, I've been interviewed. The inter they, they were afraid to interview him. He would say, I want to kill everybody I fight. That's my goal. He bit uh, Holyfield's? Holyfield's ear, part of it off in a boxing match. Blood coming down, spit it out. Possessed. He was knocking everybody out. They, people couldn't go a round with him. Not a round with him. And, and, and people, and, you know, it was dangerous. I mean, brain damage, the whole bit. I mean, he was amazing <laughs> for boxing. Buster Douglas comes in, 42 to 1 odds, knocks out Mike Tyson in the 10th round and becomes the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. How is, that's never happened. Not, not, never been close. Then the, the number one was the miracle on ice, hockey. The United States, USA, everybody, just kidding. That's where we started that chant. We were playing Russia. And if you remember Russia back then, amateurs played in the Olympics, not pros. They don't have the dream team like they do now. And, you know... Our hockey team was just a bunch of boys with hardly any whiskers. And you put them all together and they make one beard. <laughs> and they're playing these men. The Russian Soviet men who had won three consecutive 
uh, Olympics, and they were the power. They would scrimmage NHL teams and crush them. And these are boys. And man, that speech, oh, I love that speech on that, you know, that movie. He comes in there. Great moments are born from great opportunities. And that's what you have here. No, that's what you've earned here tonight. They may win nine out of ten times, but not tonight. Because tonight is our night. They've had their time. This is our time. You were born to play hockey. Whew. Church, don't make me take this. You were born. To, come on now. You were born again, right? So, they uh, scrimmaged the Russians oh, two weeks before they played them in this semifinal match to go to the finals in the Olympics. And the Russians beat them 15 to 1. Do y'all know how hockey goes? <laughs> well, there's some places, I know, I'm just joking. But there's some places I preach I have to explain hockey. I love hockey. Um, 15 to 1. That's equivalent to what? 100 to nothing? I mean, that's, that's, that's a blowout, right? I mean, a blowout's 5 to 1. They got beat 15 to 1. And they go out there that night and pull off an upset that everybody in the world, and the whole world's watching. And the Cold War was going on. All these things were happening. What makes this happen? And so I used to give speeches like this to my teams. Why not you? How can we grab a hold of something like this? And so I had come up with just me, and then I find it scripturally. I was so excited to find it scripturally. And I, I had, God had shown me the answer before I even knew it was in the Bible. And then I find it and he shows it to me. But most successful people, and I would travel around the United States and I would speak, and they would ask me to speak to businesses and corporations and different things, motivation. And I said, I'll tell you what it is. And I would say this before I knew any of this. And I'm going to get in the scriptures. I'll tell you why it is. Champions, overcomers, are prize-minded. Now everybody say it with your lips. Prize-minded. Prize They're prize-minded. Even in businesses, in entrepreneurs, whatever, how come they can do this and overcome this, come from rags to riches and all of that? They never quit because they know the reward is well worth it. And they will endure through whatever needs to endure because the prize is worth it. And that way you would always put the vision, Jesus, God said, write it down so you can run Habakkuk 2-2. Write it down so it can be read. And so we would put pictures of championship rings or whatever it might be that is the prize that they're going for and never let them not forget that. What is the prize? That's what motivates them. That's what inspires them. You don't want to coach a team that's uninspired. Can you imagine being in a locker room, you're getting ready to go out the doors, and they're just sitting there like you are now? I'm just playing with you. Don't leave. No, seriously. But when I came from the sports world into the ministry, I was in culture shock at the lack of inspiration. And now I have players and professional players that are going from pros, playing in front of 65 and 80,000 
fanatical, radical fans and the passion they have, they have to have or they'll get hurt. Football, hockey, whatever it is. And then they go into the ministry, into churches, and it's like cricket, cricket. And they call me and go, God, I can't, I can't take this, Chip. What do I do? They're not passionate. They're uninspired. Why are they doing what they do? I want to ask them all individually. They would tell me this. I want to ask them, why are you doing what you do? What motivates you? What inspires you? Well, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Right? Every word. That Bible, that word, will inspire you. Amen. So, God created us. Now, here's where God shows it to me in the Scriptures. To be prize-minded. Or he would have never said, Hebrews eleven six, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, he put a condition on that. It would be like a teacher going, Every, any, everybody who finishes their homework gets a reward. Well, who gets the reward? The people who do the homework. God says, he is a rewarder of those who what? Go to church? Get saved? Who diligently seek Him. He's in the reward business. He, that by that statement, wants to give rewards. He's like this. Thank God Steve Munns taught me that. <laughs> I never do it in front of him. I don't want to give him credit. But I know what it is now. I used to laugh at Steve for doing that. And, and, and now it's like, it's your spirit, man, getting so excited that your body has no more control. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway. Do y'all believe the scriptures? He's a rewarder. Do you believe that or not? Say God is a rewarder. Okay. Well, then where's my reward? Well, where's your homework? Man, it, I, I said that for years, man. I, I'd see testimonies. Where's mine? Man, when I begin to seek him, oh, here came the rewards. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See how seek is important? I'm not looking for the Christians. I'm looking for the seekers. Where are the seekers of God? The seekers of God and His ways. Right? And His ways. Whoo, there's the blessed right there. So God knows we love prizes. He created us to. That's why we love door prizes. We love free stuff. Anybody love free stuff? Hey, I got some stuff here to give away. Anybody want free stuff? See, there it went. Yeah, there it went. I don't really... But man, you do that at a youth rally, they go nuts. Anybody want some free stuff? That's why cereals will, would put toys in there. I don't know how it is now. I really don't know because I'm buying Raisin Bran now. I see the toys that I used to get. I stare at them. I, look, I make eye contact with a little kid. Anyway, that's a different issue. Now, 
So, that's the spirit of excellence. So, I remember when I was little, Mom, I want that one. Mom, I want that. Why? You don't even, have you ever had it? I don't know. I don't care what it tastes like. We get home. The Dakota rain. Well, God put that in us. Maybe not for cereal toys, but it's still there. Cracker Jacks made a lot of money on this thing. And even really McDonald's did too. Because McDonald's figured out, let's don't go after the adults, let's go after the kids. Make a Happy Meal, put it, because the parents have got to bring the kids. Then the parents will have to eat. And billions will be served. We're prize-minded. Door prize, lotteries, the whole bit. T-shirt shot out of a cannon or a gun. Y'all are looking at me so holy and... You're acting like you never earned. I'm going to tell you something. I coached in the major leagues. But I took, after I was done with all that, I took my kids and all their cousins and I got them some really good seats at this major league game. And it was at the end of the game and the announcer, there's 65,000 people there. And I got all my little nephews and nieces. And, you know, I'm the adult. And, and they said, well, they're going to shoot T-shirts one more time. Everybody, hey. And they're waiting for everybody to get crazy. And I somehow knew that this one guy was going to turn at the last second and shoot it my way. I knew it. I don't know. It wasn't God. <laughs> at the very last second, I mean, he's like going, and I'm over here. And all of a sudden, my whole focus, my whole purpose in life. And what I didn't realize is what I was doing to the guy beneath me. He was going, and I, and I pushed him down. How I know this is because it was on the Jumbotron in slow motion. And he's down. One handed snatch. The crowd goes. My kids. Yeah. All of a sudden, this the the boy, the man's boys. Daddy, daddy. The the dad gets up and he's got peanut shells on his face. I didn't realize I'd done that. And I look up at the jumbo, Dad, you're on the Jumbotron. And you can see, mm. and the crowd turns on me. <laughs> and I gave him the shirt. Yeah. And he's like, uh. anyway, it's crazy. 87 different times the Bible mentions rewards, prizes, or things that I have found. Something is at stake. So it would behoove us to know, is it worth it and what's the prize? So let's start with the beginning of what all this is about and go to Genesis 15.1 and let's read that. So God, sometime later, the Lord spoke to who? Not Abraham. Abram. In a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. And what? 
Are y'all getting this? So God comes on the scene right off the bat. You are not doing this for nothing. I need Abram to be motivated. I need him to be inspired. I don't just need him going through the motions. Church, we don't just need to go through the motions. There needs to be a purpose. Purpose-driven church. Right? And so I will be your great and exceeding reward. I will be your reward. Man, so there's there's a, you know, a coaching moment right there. So, and then of course there's David and 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 David said three times and now David when he gets there, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? There's that covenant minded in him. That's all the connections. And then he before that he goes, "What three times he says this? What's the winner get?" People don't really focus on that when they're preaching. Why is he saying this? Because I know God is with me. And, and God has set this up, and he remembers, he probably remembers when he was anointed and prophesied over that he'd be the king. And, and legally, he couldn't be the king. But God made a way for him to be the king. You had to have bloodline to be the king. And he didn't have it, but God made the way. What's the winner get? Is this the open door that God is making me from what he told me that I would be and prophesied? What is the prize? The king's daughter. Whoa! Boom! Is she hot? That's my translation. We know David. So. Come on now. I'm just saying. You keep talking about a personality. Okay. I'm just, let me just do my thing. All right. All right, so we go from God, there we go, David, what's the winner get three times? What's the winner get? What's the prize? He was motivated. David was prize-minded. Abram and Abraham became prize-minded. Amen. So Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27. Let's read that. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives what? The prize. So run your race that you may lay hold of what? Don't just run your race. Guys, you're not doing it for nothing. They're keeping score. I'm telling you, this little spirit of what's coming on little league soccer and hockey and baseball is, is not from God. I, I believe it. I mean, I know it's kind of funny because you know how I am, but this everybody wins in particular. That's just, that, that, that ain't how we were created. Kids are going to ask you who won. I remember when my son was on a team like that, and he keeps looking at me because I'm keeping five to two. And the coach going, all right, doesn't matter now. Nobody keeping score. Here we go. Everybody's a winner. Participation trophies for everyone. No, Caleb will go, no, we won five to two. Woo! Oh, no, Caleb. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's trying to get people to where they're just walking around going through the motions. God doesn't need a church like that. It's coming back for a champion church. Not a second place church. Not a win if you, lose if you, get a, receive a participation reward. A champion church without spot or wrinkle. Champions who know 
who are prize-minded, goal-oriented. And they know they're not doing They know there's going to be a day in heaven. Not only is he going to reward us there, but he's rewarding us here. He is a rewarder. My God is a rewarding God. Do you believe that? Man, I remember talking to Brother Hagen about, he would, he would love, especially with kids, he would say there's going to be an awards celebration in heaven. Awards will be given out for the good works that you've done. Oh, what a day that's going to be. He'd look at us and go, is David going to hand them out? Is, is he going to be on the stage? Who's going to be there? But he said, but on that day, on that judgment day, on that day, you're going to wish you'd have done more. Even though you'll be saved. We'll get to that verse here in a second. You'll wish you'd have done more. You'll wish you'd have been more motivated. What is this all about, Lord? Just be good. Be nice. What is it about? Are y'all okay? All right. Don't leave yet. All right. So now. Oh, did I read all that yet? And make it yours. Okay. All right. Let's go to Hebrews 12 too. Oh, this one's the doozy. This one's the doozy. We talked about God talking to Abram. We talked about David. We talked about Paul. This is the big doozy. You ready? Lay your eyes on it. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is, all, it is, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He... For the joy of obtaining the prize, because of that, he endured the cross. Okay. You know what helped him endure the cross? That was a lot of enduring, people. But because the prize was worth it, something in him. Guess who the prize was, people? One translation says we were his trophies that were on his mind. And that helped him endure the stripes, endure the nails, endure the suffocation, the death and hell. It helped him because he was prize-minded. And if Jesus is the head of the church and he was prize-minded, we're the body of the church. And we should be also prize-minded. Amen. Glory to God. I'm getting a little excited. Sorry about that. Revelations 22, 12. Jesus. Watch this. Look, I'm coming soon. Bringing my what? Reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I'm coming soon with the rewards. I'm coming soon with the rewards. I'm coming soon with the rewards. What have we been doing? I'm coming soon with the rewards. What have you been doing? I'm coming soon. What kind of faith? Have you? Come on. What kind of love? What kind of, what kind of how you've been shining your life? I'm coming soon with my rewards. What's it all about, Lord? Who you're rewarding? What's it all about? So, glory to God. After preaching this, and I preached this and, and I got to a point... And I, we have a lot of ORU students in our church because we're not far from ORU. And we had one called, his name was Samuel, and he was a senior, and he was doing his senior thesis paper. And, you know, the last paper to get him to pass and all of that, and he made an A on it. And he's just, 
pacing back and forth in the back. Can't wait to talk to me. And I'm preaching everything that he found this study that he handed in on his paper. When I was done, he ran up to the pulpit. He goes, Pastor Chip, you've got to see this information that I have from the, these, these people, from medical science. And I said, what is it? So I said, come to me tomorrow in my office. And he comes with this paper. And we sat down. And the study was this. In America, the Christian adults and leaders were dropping fast at an alarming rate. And it went, the last one was from 41 million down to 36 million. Just dropping. Quitting. Uninspired. Not motivated. Bored. Nothing driving them anymore. No more fire. No more desire. Just dropping out. Quitting. So this one doctor did the study and she wrote this book on it and it became bestseller in the medical fields. And so she said, I've got to figure out why people with talent and people with intelligence and people who know who, who are gifted would quit. Not just regular people who, but why would they quit? So she found her perfect study group. And it was at West Point. Does anybody know anything about West Point in America? All of our generals in all of our wars, all, most of our presidents graduated West Point. West Point, you don't, in America, you don't go, I'm going to West Point, I'm going to fill in my application. No, you have to be selected. Only the best of the best go to West Point. Maybe one or two in a state. I mean, just or in a town, one, or, I mean, these are the, the gifted, the talented, the ability, everything. And they went there, and they would have this rigorous th three, two-month training, two-month training, before, and, and uh, the, the numbers are 20% of them, when they would first come on there, and these were the best of the best, 20% would drop out. Now, you got to understand, these are the most talented and gifted dropping out. So why did they quit when the others didn't? Then she studied the Navy SEALs and why would they drop out? Why would, they, why would the best of the best, the intelligent, the ability, the everything, why would they quit? And here's what she said. Now I'm going to read from her report. Are you all ready? Because this is going to get real scriptural and real, just hang with me. She, she said this, the key component for not quitting, somebody say not quitting. The key component for not quitting was not their talent. It was not their intelligence. And it was not their ability. As a matter of fact, she said, their talent, intelligence, and ability would get in the way and hinder, hinder them from enduring because once they relied on their talent and once they relied on their ability and once they relied on their intelligence and then the spotlight was on that, and then they would risk leaving the key component out of the picture and then they would quit. So even though they were the smartest, even though they were the most intelligent or in shape, they would quit because they were relying on that. But there was something they came up with and they said the only word we can give it, and this is from her book, from doctors, MDs, all of these, the only word we could give it that people had, that they relied on, that made them endure, was grit. That's what they called it. Grit. 
What do you think of when you hear the word grit? What, what goes through your mind? Grit. What'd you say? Oatmeal? They didn't eat their oatmeal. Grit. I think of grit, I picture teeth and what we talked about this morning. And, and the doctor said, and they defined it as this, a passion and perseverance for a long-term goal. Webster's says this, unyielding courage in the face of danger. Words synonymous were backbone, fortitude, and guts. I love the word guts. We have a church in Tulsa called Guts. I used to go to that church when I was working at ORU. Huge letters. You can see it from the guts. Oh, people will go, oh. God. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus had guts. He endured. David had guts. Abraham had guts. Fortitude. But they didn't rely on their talent or anything else, right? In other words, this is continuing on with the study. Grit is what pushes someone to keep on going even in the worst of circumstances. They, they said this. Grit was confirmed. Oh, here it is. Why did I talk about prize-minded before? Watch this. This is why Samuel was going nuts and couldn't wait. Because I'm teaching on prize-minded. We've got to be prize-minded. Jesus was on the... It, it helped him endure the cross. So I'm preaching on this without knowing this. And he comes up and he gives me this and it says, Grit has been confirmed by medical science, by the study of the brain, to be tied to the portions of the brain that deal with prediction of reward. Not prize-minded, no grit. No purpose, no grit. Got ability? Yeah. Doesn't matter. That'll fail. You're relying on that? The grit won't be there. They even said, who created the body? Put this connection together. That grit comes when they know that the reward is with it. Now that makes sense. Jesus, for the joy of obtaining the prize, endured the cross. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Are you seeing this? He was able to endure. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? Aren't you glad he didn't quit? He was able to endure because the prize was on his mind. And we were his prize. Grit is a component, still reading out of the study, in deciding that enduring a set of circumstances will be worth it once the reward has been received. In conclusion, grit aids in helping the brain to decide to stick it out. It aids the brain. It helps the person stick it out because of the prize-minded when intermittent reinforcements may be absent. So according to the study, here's the last thing I'm going to say about the study, without the use of grit. So now they're going to talk to the people who just came on a Saturday night on a cold red deer night that, you know, okay, good word, whatever. I love God, going to heaven. 
And you walk out here and you just kind of go your, your own way, do your thing. Still love God. God loves you. And then pressure comes. And then pressure comes. Man, I mean it comes. And you can't endure it. And you want to. But you can't. It's a lot of pressure. It might be your kids. It might be finances. It might be sickness. It might be cancer. Might be whatever the enemy comes your way. Are you going to be able to endure? Are you going to be able to stick it out? What is this all about? So they said this. So if you decide or you're without the use of grit, it is much, much less likely for that individual will be able to improve on their current state, especially when presented with a flurry of challenges. They said this. They will continue to have the same results. Watch this. Year after year after year. I read that one. Are we at the same level of faith? We shouldn't be this time next year. This time next month. This time next week. The Bible says to go from faith to faith. To faith glory to glory God created us to be prize minded it's worth it amen and so I've said this before but the Lord showed me two charts and I want to show you it'll become clear about enduring he said people are one of these two charts so everybody in here you have one of these two charts I'm about to show you and the first one was this, and it, so just think of a line chart, a graph chart, okay? And it goes up, and then pressure comes. I saw the word pressure on that point, and they went down. And then they went back up. Some, something, something helped this person, this Christian. Somebody prayed for them. Thank God for a message from the pastor. Inter, you know, interceding, prayer, all of this. And, and they went back up. They heard a word, and then pressure came again, and they went back down. And then they got built back up. And went down. And then here's the thing. The Lord said, look where they're at at the end of the year. They're at the same place where they started it. He said, but that's not the chart of a champion. He said, yeah, pressure's going to come. Hello? The enemy's here. So what's, what's our chart look like, Lord? What are we supposed to have? And the chart went up. And then it stopped, and I saw the word pressure. And then, instead of going down, and it didn't go up either, it went flat. It went flat. And the Lord said, enduring. Grit. Holding on. Knowing that it's worth it. Are y'all with me? Knowing there's a prize. Knowing there's a God. Knowing there's something else. We're going to get to what that is. What this is all about. And they, they stick and they hold it. And man, they win the battle. And they go back up and pressure comes again. Well, they remembered that one. Boom. This one's not as long this time. And so their chart looks like this. And at the end of the year, they're off the charts. Did pressure come? Yeah. Did they have a fight? Yeah. But they didn't quit. 
This book and this study is about an alarming rate of Christian adults quitting because they can't endure. The Lord said to me, when you endure, you mature. I heard that. And then he says, you get to endure. (laughs) Well, that's a champion perspective. Oh, we're going to have to endure and hold. Uh -uh. You're not prize minded. This is what it's all about. I've been in those locker rooms. Men, we get to play the Russians. Are y'all getting this? I get to fight Mike Tyson. Are y'all getting this? I'll be the one who beats him. What? There's a giant? Prizes are involved? What's the winner get? That was David's whole perspective. Are y'all seeing this? So God created us this way. All right. Hollywood, Hollywood knows this. They made a movie called True. Is that up in Canada yet? Have y'all seen it? John Wayne, the first one? The second one, they made a, I don't even know if it's R or whatever. But the movie is about this, this girl's dad gets murdered and she wants to revenge. So she goes and hires uh, Rooster Cogburn. Rooster Cogburn is a one, he has a patch, he's, he only has one eye, and he's drunk most of the time. And the, the movie's called True Grip. And so she goes into this town, this girl, and, and she heard the reputation of Rooster Cogburn as one of the toughest. He, she knew by the stories that he wouldn't back down when the bullets are flying. So that's who she wanted. And so this Texas Ranger comes in with all the credentials, shining and everything, And he kind of want. She's like, no, I want him. Because of that, so that was the whole movie. And here he goes, and he does it, revenge the whole bit. Art. Now listen, don't get on social media on me on this right here. Don't do it, because I don't preach political politics and stuff like that. But our country, our country was so fed up with our leaders, that our country, I believe, I believe, me, elected a man not because of his political background. It's getting quiet in here. Because he didn't have one. And there's a lot of things he does lack that he needs to improve on. Twitters and all, whatever. But I believe our country came together because we were tired of having a leader who had no grit. Our military was fed up. That's what I believe. Our country was founded with men who fought in wars. They knew all about grit and what the purpose was. Where is the grit in the church today? No, they're quitting by the millions. So, glory to God. Are y'all okay? How do I get it? How do I obtain it? All right, good question. First, you got to know what the prize is. Amen? What's the prize? If you're on my team, I remember in high school, I loved coaching high school. Everybody go, why not pros? Well, I loved it too, but... 
you know, there was a lot of egos and uh, salaries and things and the heart of the game, the love of the game, the high school kids. And I, I would go, man, guys, listen to me. You know what champions? Champions wear these rings, these championship rings. They have this dog pile. Not a what a pile of dog leaves. At the end of the championship game, everybody jumps on everybody. Have you ever seen that? Okay, we call that a dog pile. I, I remember in Australia preaching this, and I said, we need more dog piles in our life. And they knew what that was, but they had a different word for it. I'm preaching this church about 5,000 people, and I said, don't y'all agree we need more dog piles? And they're all like, no. And so a guy came up and whispered, sir, 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 sir. oh, really? Oh, no, we don't need that. And then I explained it to them, and they went, oh, yeah, yeah. They had a word for it. So I would put pictures of teams, the dog piles of the team. I'd put pictures of giant rings. I said, champions have better looking girlfriends. And by the looks of you guys, you need a lot of help in this area. <laughs> Whew, that'll get them. That was above the rings and the dog piles. So you had, what's the prize worth? What are we doing this? Why are we practicing three times a day? Why are you throwing up almost every time I got you near an office? What, what are we doing this for? We're not doing it just to have a good season and hopefully make the playoffs. No! To win! Oh, when I hear those interviews of those coaches, oh, we had a great year, you know. We went to playoffs, had a great year. and We did a lot of... That's not a champion. They'll never get there. No, it's... See, we used to have a saying in the pros. It ain't no thing if you don't win the ring. Second place is like kissing your sister. We love her, but... Anyway. The women have no clue what I'm talking about. All the men are kind of like, all right. That's just a slang we have. All right. So 87 different times it talks about prizes and rewards in the Bible. Right? Let's go to Luke 6, 22 and 23. <laughs> There's going to be a point to this, trust me. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward. Oh, no, no, no. Luke, Luke 6, uh, 22, 23. Did I give you that one? No, I love her. Don't care, but, you know, I want the homecoming queen. You know what I'm talking about. All right. What, ble <laughs> what blessings await you? Look at this now. Watch this. Watch this. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil be because you follow the Son of Man? What blessings await you? That don't make sense. Click. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. When people persecute you and come against you, and you still shine with the love of God, that's being recorded. Every act of love is being recorded. It's not unnoticed. God has angels taken account. Every act of kindness to the poor, feeding, helping, clothing, loving that neighbor who hates you, shining the love of God that takes grit. Anybody can get on Facebook and just go right back. Yeah, that does not be rewarded. All of that stuff on Facebook, guys, that ain't being rewarded. 
I stood up for my, I stood. That ain't what the Bible tells us. Love those and pray for those who persecute you. Don't come up against your prime minister. Pray for your leaders. First of all, the Bible says, lift them up. Well, I don't agree. Well, that's fine, but lift them up. God loves them just, loves him just as much as he loves you. Who are you? Plus, and if it ain't even him, how do you know the person you're talking about or gossiping about or murmuring about hasn't dropped to their knees and repented while you're putting black marks against them? These are acts that will be rewarded. Wow, I see it, God. I see it. Okay. All right, there's, so we got to know the prize here. All right, now let's go to this verse. Paul says rewards go to both. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through. Are you all okay? You sure? All right. I planted the seed in your heart and Apollo watered it, but it, it was God who made it grow. Click. It's not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is God makes the seed grow. Isn't this cool? Doesn't matter if you're preaching. You still can be involved. Tithing, praying. Blessing, right? These are all things. Click. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will. They'll be what? Come on, say it out of your mouth now. Some of you looking like you don't even really want to receive this. Say it. Will be rewarded. That's scripture. They both will be rewarded. You pay tithes, you're going to be rewarded. You give when God says to give, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded. You preach and you go and you help and you do this and you're led by God, you're going to be rewarded. All these acts are going to be rewarded. For their own hard work. Click. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Click. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Click. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. The, right? I mean the covenant right there. That's the lamb. That's the blood. Click. Anyone who builds on that foundation... May use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. May all look shiny and good. Click. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Now, I went to mom about this. She said, now, you, now, Chip, this ain't, you hadn't made it yet or not. You are in. At this point, you have made it. You're in heaven. Are y'all with me? But... There's going to be a judgment on the works. So now here's the time. We wish we'd have been a little bit more inspired. This is it. Because any all that stuff on there, that, that's burned up. That's gone. Poof. That'll be burned up right there. Now, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Click. If the work survives, whoo, well done, my good and faithful servant. Son, whoo, click. Watch this. But if the work is burned up, wow, now this is still, this person's still going to be, the builder will suffer great loss, 
Now think about that. You're still going to heaven and you're going to suffer loss. Watch this. The builder will be saved, but like someone who barely escaping a wall of flames. You would think, no, I'm good. I'm in heaven. But you're going to feel like. What about that day? Huh. Click. Is there another one? No? Okay. What about that day? John Bevere, I was preaching with him. Y'all know him? He's got a video. You should go online and watch it. And he does this day. Oh, I showed it to my church, and I had to pick him right back up because the very next verse says, but don't worry, you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Because it can really be a downer. You know what I'm talking about? But he showed this powerful day. And the first guy coming up was this man. And God calls him by what his calling was. Says, Reverend Smith, please come. Whatever his name was. I'm not a reverend. But he was calling my name. Reverend John Smith, come on. I'm not a I'm an accountant. Oh, you've seen it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm an accountant. It showed little him in his office. You were called to be a missionary or something. I think it was a missionary. Yeah, minister something. You were called to be a missionary. And so it shows him in his office looking at the globe on his desk. And he knew, he knew the Holy Spirit. But he never did go through or trust God or pray it through or just feel feelings of inadequacy and he said where are the f- two million seven hundred sixty five to the yeah. souls that were accounted to your account but he still saved but he felt like you, you see what I'm saying the next guy came in was a minister a pastor and he called him by his regular name. He goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. God, you know, I pastored a church of 700, very successful church, for 20-some years. He said, you were called to be a business partner with this person, not in the five-fold ministry. But he didn't seek God about that. Yeah. And he said, you, were a, you and him were going to do this and come up with this invention, whatever, and it, the money was going to help ministries that would have affected seven million something whatever souls. The third person in line is a mama with a baby. She's like, I've done nothing. Sister Smith, presuppose. Oh, fa- Father, God, I, I only raised these three children. Sister Smith, you were not called into the five You were called to raise those three children. And those three children affected 2 point something seven to the day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now if you, can can you give me the next verse? Because you can't preach this and let, let everybody leave on a downer. You know what I'm talking about? Oh God. And that's what I wanted to tell John, but who am I to tell him? I'm not going to do it unless the Lord tells him. But don't you realize 
that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. It's not your doing, but God in you. Amen? We can right now repent for everything that we haven't done or all, everything, all the lack or all, whatever and just get right back on it. Amen. Amen. Right back on track. So, I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, what is the prize? I see the love, I see the kindness, and I said this, but I want to know, what's the ring? And then I saw it, and I saw that video. In Jesus' ministry, he endured the cross. Why? For the joy of the prize. That's what helped him. Well, he's the head of the church. We're the body. I believe the plan should go on. So the body should pick up and work together with the head with the same prize-mindedness that the head had. The body should too. And the prize is souls. Listen to me. Everything is about souls. If you get prize-minded, God had me write this down in the hotel room today. When you get attacked with sickness, but you keep your eyes on the prize, and you get it off of you, and you're wondering and thinking because you just want to feel better, but that God, you get your eyes on, God's healed you because you are to be healed to help reach souls. That's why He's given you healing. That's why the stripes were taken. If you would, in your financial trouble, get your focus off of the pride out of it and understand that God needs you rich so that you can be debt free so that he can send you out for souls then the grit is going to click are y'all getting this oh I just want my healing I just why souls that's why healing is here that's why Jesus took the stripes that's why he went to the cross those chairs were created for souls Electricity was created for souls. God said to me, I everything, I created gravity for souls. Everything for the purpose of souls. I was preaching this and there was an astronaut from NASA at my meeting. A Christian, born again Christian. He came up to me and he said, man, I'm so glad to hear this for the first time. This is NASA. Some of the most intelligent men ever. He said, we came together for years with what is the purpose of what everything is about. And they said, we came up with this answer. They said, Chip, you're saying it. And here's what NASA said. They said, the reason why the sun is the degree it is and not one degree hotter and one degree cooler. Why it's where it's at. Why the, 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 you know, all of the universe and the planets and gravity. Why does everything exist? They said, we came all together with this answer. Everything has this purpose. You ready? This comes from NASA. So that Earth exists. Just, just chew on it, would you? Quit playing with a toy from the cereal and let's chew on this for a little bit. Everything. Gravity, everything. Everything. These instruments. Automobiles, fire, electricity, satellites, internet. Everything was created for souls. And they said, so that earth exists. Well, what's on earth? Who's on earth? Us. But guess who else? Souls. That's the prize. And we're focused on what? 
Just feeling better? Well, your healing is for souls. Are y'all with me? Now that you're prize-minded, God, that's right. You've given me these scriptures. God, you want me healed. You gave me healing so that I can reach more. That's exactly right. Whether it be by watering or planting. Whether it be by you raising children or you. He wants you healthy because those children are going to go out and, and reach more souls. Are y'all getting this? It's all about souls. So when he showed me authority, he showed me blood, he showed me covenant. It's all about souls. That's the prize. Get prize-minded. And when you get prize-minded, God puts something in our brain. Grit will connect. Are you getting this? Now let's go back to Jesus. Because of obtaining the prize, the joy of the prize, he was able to endure the cross. So maybe you're enduring right now. You're right here. Are you going down? Now the bad thing about this is the enemy can come steal and kill you. That's why you don't want to live that life. That's a dangerous way to live. Even the world won't hire you if you have that. That's 500 average. I'd have been fired as a coach if that was my graph. Produce. What have you done for me lately? Win. Yeah, I won you a championship two years ago. What about now? Are y'all with me? But God created us. And he gave me this and I said it to the morning session. I can't give you the quiz because half of you know it. But he said like this, he said, you were not born to lose. You were born to choose. God created man and he said, choose life. He's not going to make you. He gave you a will, a chooser. He's not going to make you be prize-minded. He's not going to do it. Choose to. He'll help you. He's put everything in you to do it. He's equipped you to do it. That grit is in there. I never had grit in my life. It's in there. The day you got born again, ding, it showed up. Are y'all with me? That warrior, it's in there. It's in there. That fighter is in there. You can do it. We can do all things through Christ. Right? All things are possible with God, who is the light. Prize-minded. Everything is about souls. So I started going to my staff, and I said, I got my staff together, and the Lord said, ask them. And he started giving me these questions. Jerry, yes, sir. I love Jerry. He's one of our ministers. We call him an internet pastor. Jerry, why do we tithe? Woo, he ripped them off. Right? So he started talking about tithing and how it's God's, you know, all of this and how the wind is of heaven and the, uh, the, de the devourer will be rebuked. Yes, rebuked. All of these good answers. But I said, the first thing I wanted out of your mouth, Jerry, was souls. That's why you tithe. What if everybody tithe? How much more souls could we reach? And now what is it? 10% of the church tithes. 20%. It's a terrible number. And if the whole church tithe, we would reach so much more souls. And that day's coming. Did you tithe? Did you do the plan that I had? You would have been rewarded because of the law of giving and sowing and reaping. But it was to reach souls. 
not about you and yours. That's pride. It's time to step over in humility. The true meaning of humility is you, that everything God says, it is. And that's that. That's true humility, really. So, so I asked the next person, why do we walk in love? Well, Pastor Chip, 1 Corinthians 13 says we walk in love and we do this and, and love never fails. All these are right answers. But God wanted us to do this. And then she finally got down to solve. Put that back up here. Are y'all getting this? Be soul-minded first. Amen? And when you get your eyes off of your sickness and you, and you realize that God has made you healed and that healing is for you. He needs you healed. Amen. So that you could, why? Just so you can give your testimony. Oh, that's a good too. But that's not the number one answer. Souls. Amen. Why do we do anything? Why do we have praise and worship souls? Why do we have instrument souls? Why do people work in the nursery? Souls. You get to volunteer. Why do we have parking lot of attendance? It's all for souls. Terrible weather. Remember Raymond when we'd have some and man there they'd be. Oh, bless her. It was for souls. They're going to be rewarded. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Not people. Servants. Did you serve? That'll be rewarded. Why? Because it's all about. When we get to that day, how many souls? Well, I was just a mother. I know, but did you do? You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, yep. Amen. Are you all okay? Yep. Now, the good news is, the next verse is, you have the Holy Spirit who created the universe and raised Christ from the dead. 